I count it a privilege to meet with so many believers who have a heart after God to know Him more intimately and to walk in His way. What a joy to see so many youth here this weekend. My heart's desire would be that you would go home changed. Are you aware of the fact that it's God's will that we are changed as we look into His Word? Isn't one of the purposes for looking into His Word is that we might be changed? But I believe that it is one of the greatest plagues amongst our people. We go to church every Sunday, maybe every Wednesday. We hear powerful sermons. Why then are we not changed? I believe it's a plague. And James says that if we hear the Word of God and don't do it, what does it say? We deceive ourselves. That's not a little thing. Not a little thing at all. And so my heart is that somehow God would be working here today in such a way that we could get a grasp, get a glimpse of, maybe get a hold of a tool that we could put to practice. Every time we hear the Word of God, every time that we go to pray, if I could give you one tool that you would then be able to use that tool effectively. To the changing of your life. That would be my prayer. I was wondering this, this morning here as I sat listening to Brother Dale sharing about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, some of you were not here. I think most of you were. It was a great blessing. As he shared there out of Luke about the Lord's Prayer and the story that Jesus gives after the Lord's Prayer and the explanation. And and he came down to that point that he said, mentioned about receiving. If you ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened. For everyone that asks it shall be given. And the key point was their receiving. Are you with me? Okay. As I listened to him share that, I got this picture of a missing lake. I wonder if someone else felt that way too. We read the stories of the heroes of faith. We read the stories of the men of faith, like George Mueller and so forth. And I know that they, they, they had a hold of something that God wrought mightily through them. And as Brother Dale was sharing this morning, I sensed that link missing in my own life, in a sense. You know what I mean? Haven't you read those stories? And haven't you wondered why it's not reality? Are you with me? Recently I've come to the place to understand that God does not have those men and women of faith on a pedestal there somewhere. And I'm way down here. But rather, that God is asking me to come up there and stand with them on that glorious place where they also stood. Even as Jesus said, greater things than these shall ye do. If I could give you one tool, that, that God could by that change your life, that would be my prayer. For many years I have just pondered these things. I've been at prayer meetings. Brother Dale has said it all so very well. I was so greatly blessed. 
He laid the foundation for some of the things that I want to say. But for many years I had been in prayer meetings where we would make that list and pray those prayers. And when we got up to go home, there was no more assurance that those prayers would be answered than before we prayed them. Are we there? Okay. But I, I know that that's not God's will. I see a missing link. Do you see that? The picture I got was of this huge mountain over here. And then, then there's these huge chains, like the chains that are on the anchor of a ship, over here. And over on this side, there's a small mustard leaf. And if only there would be another chain link there, and that small mustard could move them. Right? According to God's word. I have many things on my heart. I'm not sure where to start. But let's look at Ephesians chapter 1 for a verse. If you have your Bibles, please follow along. Uh, I may sometimes go faster than you can. Uh, but if you have pen and paper, you should also take notes. I encourage you to do that. It's very helpful. In Ephesians chapter 1. This is what, in the midst of Paul's prayer, and I may come back to this again in another message, but I want, I might, verse 17 is what I want to look at, beginning to read at verse 16. He's saying, I, Paul, he's saying, when he heard of their faith in verse 15, and of their love, he says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And what is he praying? that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Without the spirit of wisdom and without the spirit of revelation, it's dead letter. And so we are des in desperate need for the spirit of revelation, which is the power of God, it is the Holy Ghost, to be working in our midst as the word is preached, so that when that word is preached, it may fall upon our hearts and do the work that needs to be done there. So we need a spirit of revelation. When God reveals things, that's life. When, when you read God's word and, and the word jumps off the page at you, that's a revelation. We call it a rhema. That's life. And you and I need revelation. And Paul's prayer is that we would have the Spirit. That God might give to you the Spirit of wisdom and the Spirit of revelation. And there's purpose for that. The purpose is that your eye, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of His calling. The riches of His glory and the inheritance of His saints. And that's all the further I want to go at this point. I'd like to look at three key words that will enable us, I believe, to walk in the fear of God in a, in a dimension that maybe most of us have not yet walked. I think probably every one of us will acknowledge that we have not attained to prayer like we'd like to. How then can I walk? As I pondered these things, I was looking at Hebrews 11. In Hebrews 11, you can turn there, we'll look at a few passages there. It dawned on my heart, as I read there about the elders and these men of faith who did great and mighty things, it dawned on my heart that it does not say, by prayer, Noah built the ark. Or by prayer, Abraham went. Or by prayer, Moses. But what does it say? By 
faith. And faith is the key word that I want to look at probably this whole, this whole weekend as I teach and preach because it is very crucial. So we see that every one of these men of God here and women, their life was marked. God marked one specific thing in their life and it was faith. By faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In very short, what that is saying is that God, when He made the world, he, when, he, when, he formed, when, he, when He made the trees and all those type of things, He made them out of things which were not seen, out of things which, are, which do not appear. He made them out of the invisible. Those things which do not appear. The, it says there, uh, I'm to teach on, teach on touching the invisible. It's a little book that I have that God put into my hands about eight months ago. God has used this book in my life in a very mighty way. It's by Norman Grubb on faith. It, God has absolutely been changing my life ever since I have been looking at this book. Uh, lots of good things there. I might read a few, little bit from it. I'm not sure. And the challenge is to live by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. But one of the easiest things for us to do is to live our lives without faith as Christians. How then can I have more faith? So often we, we pray and say, God, please give me more faith. Anyone ever do that? Hmm? Let's look at faith if we can. How then do we... Get do we then have faith? How do we? How does faith come? Let's turn to to, uh, to Romans. As I think of Jesus and his teaching, when Jesus came on the earth, he began to do wonderful miracles and wonderful works. I can just about imagine the disciples watching him as he would walk up to that blind man and would heal him, or the lepers, or whatever it may be. And they marveled at the power that this man had to heal and to do things and to cast out demons and all those things. And over and over again, there's, there's a phrase that Jesus would say. When he would heal someone, he said, Thy faith has made thee whole. Or he might say, by faith, you're healed, or whatever it was. He, and he said, it's by faith. And many times we would kind of like to change the word of God to where it would say, by the power of God you're healed. But it was by faith that they are healed. Thy faith has made thee whole. This is over and over again. And Jesus also, very often, it seemed like he was almost appalled at how little faith they had. Why did you doubt? Oh, you little faith! Where is thy faith? Why didst thou doubt? And so, over and over again, Jesus would say that, and he said, When the Son of Man cometh on the earth, shall he find faith? And it seems to me that the key thing here is that Jesus is looking for faith in us. He didn't explain necessarily how faith works. In, in numerous areas I've, I've watched, been watching this, the Apostle Paul comes along and he takes, what, takes a principle or, or an example that Jesus gave and he goes and lays it out in Romans especially, the doctrinal thesis or, or the doctrinal background of faith and how it works maybe. And we're going to look at that a little bit today. In Romans chapter 10 verse 17 it says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. This is a key verse. There's another verse in Romans 4.16 that says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. What is that verse saying? Paul is explaining this principle of faith, and he's saying it is not of works, lest any man should boast. But he goes on to say, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. Anything that you and I can do physically with our hands and so forth is not necessarily by faith. We can do the works of works around us and it doesn't take faith to do that. But whenever we reach across that gulf, may I say, into the invisible, then it takes faith to bring to reality that which is invisible. That it might be by grace. In other words, anything that we do by faith, it, it is so that, there's gra- that God's grace comes in there and that God gets the glory. Therefore, it is of of faith that it might be by grace. Meaning, everything that we do by faith, it is for the glory of God. God wants to get the glory in our lives in these areas. James says, if you turn to James, again, we're looking at what the scriptures say here. James in chapter 2, he says these very clear words. Uh, Verse 17, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. And he goes on and and uses the example there, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? That seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by faith by works was faith made perfect. Now, if I could draw a graph on the board up here, and and we would be graphing faith. There's numerous places in the Bible where faith is identified by size or its strength, right? There is weak faith. There is little faith. There is great faith, like the centurion. There is strong faith. And there is perfect faith. There's also unbelief and doubt, which is then on the negative side of the graph. But then also, there it also says that if thou hast faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed. So, what size is faith really? Someone wrote me a little note one time and talked about the difficulties of life and about the mustard seed of faith. But the mustard seed of faith is so small compared to our difficulties. But I wrote back that sister and I shared with her that the size of faith is likened to a grain of mustard seed. But the mountain is the mountain size is not important. Right? It doesn't give the size of the mountain. So we're looking at faith here. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's just pray again. Father, I come in Jesus' name here at this day. Lord, you know all the things that are in my heart. I pray that you would open up the floodgates, that these things may flow freely, fully, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. Commit this into your hand in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look at Hebrews 6, we also recognize that verse that says, For without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
How then do I exercise faith? We also want to look at Hebrews chapter 4. You turn there. Hebrews chapter 4 is where the writer is talking about the children of Israel in chapter 3 and how that they came out of Egypt into the desert and many of them fell in the desert in unbelief. And in chapter 4 he, gives the, he tells us what happened and why they fell. Well, look at that. In chapter 4, verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, and that's where we are, the gospel has been preached to us, right? As well as unto them. But, the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Why did they fall in the wilderness? It is because when the Word of God came, they did not take the Word of God and mix it with faith so that it would change them. And this is where we also lie in great danger. We can become such lukewarm Christians, going to church every Sunday, listening to the Word of God, but if we do not take the Word of God when it comes to us, when it falls upon our ears, when we do not take that word and do something with it, we also will walk in unbelief. We must take the word of God and do something with it. This is why James says that we deceive ourselves. We are in a sense, we're saying, I, I hear the word of God, but I'm not going to do anything with it. But it is God's will that, we, that when the word of God comes to us, that we do something with it. We take that word of God and we mix it with faith, if, you, if may I say, so that there become fruit coming out of that. This is why they fell in the wilderness. They didn't mix it with faith. Now, the example there is you can take cement and mix sand with that cement and mix the, 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 the water with that. And when you take those, those different chemicals, and you mix them together, you will have something happening. There's a chemical reaction that takes place in that, and the cement begins to get hardened. Or you take the, the epoxy tubes that come, you know, there's, a, there's two tubes that come in that epoxy, you squeeze that stuff out the same length out there, and you mix that together, and when you mix those two things together, there's something begins to happen, and th that becomes a mighty strength in glue. And this is the point that I'm saying about faith in our lives today. And Paul wants us to understand how this really works. But we have to do something with it. We're going to look at Romans 10 for an for example here. Romans 10, uh, Paul is sharing his heart for his people, Israel that they might be saved. Israel was following after the law for righteousness, but they did not attain to the law of righteousness, it says. Being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. This word believe could also be used as that word, same as that word mixing. Because believing is an active word. And if the word of God comes to your heart today, you have a choice to do something with that. To believe that means to actually do something with it. That's what we're looking at in this word believing. Moses in verse 5, is, he says, describes the righteousness which is of the law that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh in this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above? Who shall ascend to the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead? I wonder how many have ever stumbled on these words. You know sometimes you read the word of God, and you hit a, a verse or two, and it just kind of throws you off, and you don't understand. Right? This has happened with me in these verses. What did, what's he trying to say? He's, he's quoting something. He's quoting Old Testament. But what does he mean? The righteousness which of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend to heaven for me? 
This passage is a passage for salvation. Now, I don't know if anyone is here who's not saved. It's very possible. I think of the, a family that came to our church one time. They were an Anabaptist type family. And they listened to a message that evening and they came for counsel afterward. The father, the mother, three sons and married daughter and son-in-law sat in the office and they just said, we have made our confessions, we have repented of our sins, but something's just not quite right. Something is still missing. And they were guided that evening to believe put their faith and trust in what Christ has done for them. You see, confession and repentance can actually be works also. And people will try to come to Christ by confessing and repenting. But unless you exercise faith, you will not experience salvation in Jesus Christ. That family experienced salvation that night by simply because someone would show them that it's by faith. It is not of works. And this principle that we're going to look at here is this very same principle that works in all the rest of our Christian life. And that principle is simply, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And we're going to look at it further here. There's a, there's a few other steps that need to be taken. And that, those steps are believing and confessing. And I believe this is the missing link in the Christians' lives in general in this area of prayer. So let's look at this passage here. And I want you to get the principle that Paul is laying out here. And in order to understand that, let's go to where Paul gets these scriptures, which is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. If you turn there, Paul is quoting Moses in Deuteronomy 30. Moses is now has just given the, the law the second time. They've already spent about 40 years in the wilderness, and they have come to realize that they cannot keep God's law. And so Moses gives them a few encouraging words here about this. In chapter 30, verse 11. I could almost hear the people saying, as Moses read the law to them again, but Moses, we have tried to keep the law, but we've not been able to keep it. And Moses gives some very important words here that Paul then takes these words and brings them into the New Testament for the New Testament believers today. And that's what we're going to look at. And he's saying in verse 10, If thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, the voice, that's hearing, to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law, and if thou turn to the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, hearing and doing something with it. Do you see that? When thou hear the voice of the Lord, his word... And then what? Turn. There you are. If thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, for this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. Moses, we can't keep this law. Won't you, why don't you go uh, up to heaven and bring the Lord down here so that we can keep the law? That's what they're saying. It's not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? I remember as a newborn Christian, meeting with another young family, another family that just got converted. We spent the hours of the night together until the wee morning, two o'clock, fellowshipping. And the brother said, 
Sometimes I wish that Jesus would just come down and tell us what to do. You ever feel that way? Just, Lord, if, if you would just come and just tell me, I would know what to do. So we're looking at this. What does Moses say about it? He says, but the word is very nigh unto you. No, it's not up in heaven. No, it's not across the sea. No, no, no. Where is it? The word is very close to you. In your mouth and in your heart that thou mayest do it. Moses, do you mean to tell me that if I'd take the Word of God, the Old Testament law, from the heart, and in my, if I take that, if it's in my heart and in my mouth, then I'll be able to do it. Yes, that is right. How? By faith. By faith. Now, now let's go back at Romans, 4, Romans 10 again and look at it closely. And Paul takes this principle and he, he lays this principle out that we may understand how a sinner can actually come to Christ. How someone can actually be saved. And this is the elementary steps of faith. If you have been saved, you have taken the first steps of faith, may I say, for salvation. But is that where you want to stay? Is that where you want to live? I want to live, I want to go to 8th grade, don't you? I want to graduate. You know, when I was a young Christian, I, I, I was in 1st grade and I realized that, but I didn't want to go through 2nd, 3rd, 4th. I want to go to 8th grade right away. But that's not how God works. We must go step at a time. Let's look at this closely here again. Verse 6, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above? Who shall ascend to the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead? Again, he's quoting the verse in Deuteronomy. But what saith it? What does the Bible say? What does the Old Testament say? Now listen closely. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach. Now what is it? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Here's the principle. Hearing, mixing, or believing and then confess This is a universal principle. This is the principle to live by faith. Isn't this how you got saved? You heard the word of God. You believed. Believe is an active word. And then you confess. And when you confessed, it was done. That's the same principle that works in the life of the believer today in this area of prayer, in the area of faith. This is why. This, and the lack of understanding this principle is why we pray and our prayers are so, is why our, so many of our prayers are so faithless. And this is why we get up from our prayer meeting and go home without the assurance that God has heard. Because God is wanting us to do something. God is wanting us to be active. God is wanting us to move, to take a step of faith, to do something with what we've heard, and bring it into reality, and bring that which is invisible to become visible. That's the picture we're looking at. This is the challenge of faith. We're looking at the word spoken, the word given, the word spoken, and the word materialized. When faith 
When faith comes forward, this is the uh, quote I got, when faith comes forward to announce itself and to proclaim the glory and grace of its Lord, its voice is confession. In other words, the thought of faith is expressed in the word of faith, resulting in the substance of faith. I appreciate what Dale said earlier this morning. He said something to the extent that the things that God thought, God's thoughts become reality through the spoken word, and the Spirit brings substance to it. Jesus is the word of God. When God created the heavens and the earth, He did it by the word. He did it with the word. But before it was the word, it was a thought. And when God thought the plan of salvation out, He thought about that. The Son, the Word of God, gave it definition, and the Spirit of God works it in our lives. This is a universal principle. This principle is, the, is what gives life to prayer. This principle brings prayer into reality. Faith without works is dead. Prayer without faith is dead. In a sense. And so we're looking at this, again we say that the thought of faith is expressed in the word of faith, resulting in the substance of faith. Hebrews says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is deep stuff. I wish I could get it clearly to you. In other words, what I'm saying is that if you and I are going to walk in the Christian life in an effective way like Elijah did, like Moses did, like the other men of God of the Bible did, this is what we must begin to exercise. We need to take the Word of God that we hear and exercise it, believe it, and then begin to walk it out, begin to confess it, begin to proclaim it. I'm sure most of you have probably heard of the name it and claim it, right? Have you? Name it and claim it. Something's not quite right with that. But I do believe that we should never shy away from truth in God's Word because someone misuses some part of it. Right? I believe that according to God's Word as I understand it, you and I have the opportunity, have the privilege, have the right to hear God's Word and then proclaim it. Hear it and proclaim it, and it shall come to pass. This is God's word. We can we know God's word, and all and everything that I and I. My heart is that there there are perimeters to this walk of faith. Like Brother Dale said, you you can't just go out there and and ask God for BMWs. There are perimeters set around this that God has set the perimeters in place for answered prayer, for a walk of faith in Christ Jesus. And what are they? They are all inside the perimeters of the truth of this book. If you're going to be a man or a woman of faith, there's other things that you must have in place. And to start with, it, you must be clean in your heart. If you have sinned in your life, then the life of faith is going to just kind of slip away from you. If you are allowing yourself to walk in sin, if you're walking in, in things that you know is not right, then how can you expect God to answer your prayers? But I want to say that to, you, to those of you who are here today and you are struggling with sin, God did not send His Son to just keep you out of hell and allow you to continue to struggle through life. God didn't send, send His Son just for that. He sent His Son to deliver you 100% from all sin and wickedness and evil. And maybe I'll be more, teaching more on that this afternoon or tonight.
We think of this, this. Let's look at this scripture a little closer here in faith. Verse 8, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The word of faith which is being preached. The word being preached. Something has to happen with it. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, when someone wants to come to Christ, something has to happen in the heart. And there are, there are people in our churches, there are people in our church, who I believe have made a confession of faith, but they're not experiencing the reality of a new life in Christ. They have never experienced a new creation. Maybe they had a, what we call a weak conversion. And they wonder, why am I so dead when others seem to have life? Well, here's the principle. It's when you hear the word of God preached like a salvation message. And you take that in, you acknowledge it to be true in your heart, but then something has to be done. You need to begin to take a step of faith in, in that when you hear that word. And what needs to happen is the heart, which is trusting in its own way, trusting in its own things, uh, maybe trusting in some other false religion, the heart needs to turn from that. And this is the believing part. This is, the, uh, this is where you have to mix it with faith. This is where you take the word of God and you do something with it and you mix it with faith. You believe it to be true but you don't just stop there. You turn your heart to Christ. That's something you can choose to do. You make that choice. And you choose to turn your heart. You choose to believe that God raised him from the dead. That's one thing. And then, there's one more thing. Confess it with God. Confess with me, thou shalt be saved. 100% true. If that happens, if that's salvation. If you're here today and you struggle with your assurance of salvation, have you ever, maybe you've confessed, maybe you've repented, but you've never actually mixed the word of God with faith and made a choice in your heart to abandon everything else and to believe on Him alone for salvation. It's a step of faith. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he's rewarded them that diligently seek him. Now, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And we also see in Corinthians where it says that the first Adam was made a living soul, the last Adam a quickening spirit. Now, we looked at this principle here of faith. Without faith it's impossible to please God. James says that if faith alone is dead, faith must, I must do something. Now, you might say, how can I have more faith? And maybe that's a question in your heart. Brother Emmanuel, I want more faith. Tell me how I can have more faith. If the author and finisher of your faith lives inside, then where is faith? It's in your heart. Everything you need is there. Everything you need for a Total, victorious Christian life is there. If Christ is there, it's there. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit, as Brother Dale was saying earlier. This is a powerful principle. You see, Adam was created a living soul and God breathed into him and Adam became a living soul. And the Spirit of God dwelt in Adam. And Adam had communion with his father. He talked to his father. He walked with him. Fellowship with God. Then sin came. And sin separates you from God. 
and there was separation from in the spirit. And Adam's spirit was separated from God's spirit. And I say the Holy Spirit went away from man and left an empty spot there, right? You all know what that is? We're born with an empty spot. We're born without the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us. Now here's where faith comes in. By faith we are born of the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God comes back into the heart of man and joins itself together with the Spirit of the man. And these two are in total, totally immersed in each other. We cannot divide them. We cannot figure out which is which. The, the, the uh, translators of, uh, in the Bible, when they translated Romans chapter 8, they sometimes use a capital S for the Holy Spirit. They use a small S for the Spirit of the man. And sometimes they didn't, they didn't know if it should be a capital S or a small S. They were so united together. And if, if I am one with the Spirit of Christ, then everything that Christ has paid and bought for is, a, is accessible for me. Right? But it is, it is because the devil, the devil says, I'm, I'm, uh, you're not together, you're, not, you're still separate from Christ. And that sense of separation which Adam felt is so often there, and the devil makes that sense of separation become a reality to us, and I feel like I'm separate from God. But the truth is, I'm one. The truth is, I'm one with Him. And when I walk in the reality of being one with Christ, then I have access to the throne room of God. Then I can pray in faith. Then I can activate the offer of faith within me. That's where more faith comes from. Oh, God, I want more faith. Please give me more faith. No. I read, I was reading about Moses. Moses at the burning bush. God was saying to Moses, Moses, I want you to go and deliver my people out of Egypt. I want you to go and you deliver them, God said. Moses said, Moses, just like me, God, you can do it. You know, I believe you're Almighty God. That's not the problem. The problem is, Moses did not believe that God would work it out through him. And numerous times, God tried to get Moses to, to say, Yes, Lord, I'll go. Moses, but Lord, but God. Right? Over and over again. Finally, you know what God did? He said to Moses, what is in my hand? A rock. In very short, God said, I want you to do what you are Moses, I want you to use that rock. And I believe that God is asking us to use what we already have, which is faith. Now, that is a picture of salvation. That's the principle we're looking at. Hearing, mixing, and then confessing. Most of us want to go further than just salvation, right? Let's look at uh, here's a verse in Mark Cha turn to chapter Mark chapter 11 It was not until Moses was able to appropriate and make use of that which God said that he was then able to go forth and do what God told him to do. He did it by faith. 
so many of us Christians, we are lacking in this area of our Christian life. I'm lacking in this. This is something God is still working in me. But what does the Bible say? And, and so, we, we must go to God's Word and examine God's Word and put it beside my life and allow it to challenge me to the point that I'm willing to say, Lord, please change me. Help me to understand these principles. In, Luke, in Mark chapter 11, we have the, Jesus had ridden into Jerusalem as the triumphant king there and then he went out to the garden overnight. And then he came back in the next morning to the temple again to teach and to, to pray, or to teach there. And on the way, he saw a fig tree having leaves in verse 13. And he came happily, he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. The next day, they were on their way back in again. Next morning, verse 20, they passed by. They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith to him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. We're looking at the principle here. And Jesus is going to use this as an example to teach. I want you to look at it very closely. Verse 22, And Jesus answered, said to him, Have faith in God. Here you go again. Over and over again, Jesus would say, Only believe. Only believe. Have faith in God. Thy faith has made thee whole. This is the key element. I, even, I know this is the missing link in my life. This is where I'm missing it. This is, this is why I'm not walking in, the, in all the effectiveness that I know that God has laid out for me to do. Have faith in God. Now look what he says, verse 23. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. I would like you to note the words here, say, and the word saith. It's not pray. It's not prayeth. How often have I prayed, said, Lord, please move this mountain. Right? Some of you are facing mountains right now. You have a mountain in your life that you wish would be moved. Right? And we keep begging, Oh God, please move this mountain. Well, what is Jesus saying? Look at what he said. Whosoever shall do what? Say. Unto this mountain. Okay, so, okay, so are you saying that Jesus wants me to speak to the mountain? That's right. So often we put it on God. We want God to do it. We want God to work in this issue. We want God to work a miracle. But you know what? God is waiting on you and me to work it, to do it. This is the principle. Be thou removed. If you will say, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and what it say, shall not doubt in his heart, this is the key, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. The next verse, therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. There's that word receive again, Brother Dale. Believe that you shall receive. Oh. Believe that you shall receive. Look at it carefully. Someone read it for me. What does it say? Believe that you shall receive. What does it say? Believe that you receive. Then you shall have. 
this says amen to what Dale said this morning. Now, the key to this verse is these three things. Hearing, believing, and not doubting, and then saying. And you might think, Brother Emmanuel, you're going on the name and claim it thing, or the word of faith people have gone way out on this side. I don't study them. I don't know what they've done. But I do see God's word. And I know this is true. If you can take this principle and lay it beside the men of faith, you will see that day lives in us. Think with me. What does it say? Okay, remember. Hearing, believing, and speaking or, work or walking it out. Beginning to do something about it. By faith, Abraham, when he was called. Right? He heard. Then he believed. And he went. You see that? By faith, Noah, being warned of God. You with me? He heard. That moved him. And he went and believed and he did something. Okay? We're going somewhere. Stay with me. You can measure that with every one of those men of faith. By faith they heard. How could Elijah walk, walk into the courtroom of Ahab? And say, Thus saith the Lord, it shall not rain until I say so again. How could Elijah do that? He had heard. He knew God's will. Yes, God's will is involved. But he heard. And, and because he heard, and because he went, and because he spake, it came to pass. Now, we're looking at prayer. If, if, I want you to think about maybe you have one prayer request. Maybe there's one thing that you're, you're really praying about. Or maybe you're begging God about this. If God speaks to you about that thing, if God gives you a word about that thing, then you're going to need to do something with it. Then you take the word that God has spoken you mix it with faith, you believe it, and you begin to do it. You begin to walk it out. You begin to confess it. You begin to proclaim it. And then, it, the Spirit of God brings it to pass. You see, this principle is there from the beginning. When the world was created, God spoke it, and it says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. It is the Spirit of God that quickened us. It is the Spirit of God that brings these things to pass. It is the Spirit of God that brings invisible things to reality as we walk it out. I wonder if anybody's hearing. Huh? Is this going to change you? My encouragement to you is that you take the things that you've heard here this morning Take him alongside of God's word. Be a Berean. See if it's true. What if God is waiting on me to be an active soldier, working these things out, believing them and proclaiming them? Oh my. What would God do with so many people if they would take this one and, and would begin to walk it out? I believe it's a reality. Now, that's, that's a good principle for salvation. and People get saved that way. That's why we preach the gospel, right? And so, this gets to be really exciting. Because when I now, when I preach the word of God, I know the word of God is going sinking down into the hearts of those people. And if somehow those people will take what they hear, believe it, and confess it, they'll be saved. What about this principle in my everyday life? 
This is where we really need it, right? Well, Lord, as a father, where should I go to church? Where should I move my family? What job should I take? As single young people, Lord, who should I take to wife? Lots of questions. What if you, what if, what if God would be wanting to speak to you very clearly about those things? You see, God wants to speak to us personally about personal issues. No, you won't find it in here, or I don't think you will. You might not find it in here, who you're supposed to marry. You won't find it in here about where you're supposed to move to. God might use a verse in here to help guide and direct you. But you and I really need to hear from God. And this is what I want you to get, catch. It is possible for you and I to live in such a way with our hearts being cleansed and purified by the blood of Christ, no sin that we know of, we're walking in the light that God has given, and then we can expect that God will talk to us. Because Christ has bought back, has bought and paid for that reunion with God. There's no longer a separation between us. We are one with Him, and God wants to guide us. He wants to direct us in our everyday situation. He even said, Jesus said, I will send the Comforter. In John chapter 14, 15, and 16, there is numerous times that Jesus said, I'll send the Comforter to you. And what was the purpose? Comfort, yes. To teach, yes. Guide into all truth. In other words, to guide you. This Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is sent. One of the specific purposes is to guide you and I. This is how we walk. Now, if, as I had begun to put this to practice, It is so important that I hear from the Lord. And sometimes God gives me a word. And I think you know what I'm talking about. There may be a few times in most of your lives where you have heard a word from the Lord, right? You know you've heard a word from the Lord. And whenever you hear a word from the Lord, a personal word, you mix that with faith, and then you begin to walk it out. It will come to pass. Because God has spoken. Now, how can I hear that? We're so busy, our lives are so full, and we're so self-confident, we're used to using our own reason, and we don't take the time to draw aside in that time of prayer and being alone. And not just <coughs> there, but actually we should be expecting God to speak to us into our everyday situation, into every mountain that we face. And when God gives you a word, you will know it will come. I'll give you one example. This has to do with relationships. Most of us struggle with relationships, don't we? Someone that I have a hard time forgiving. Is anyone here like that? Let me see your hands. Is anyone here has a hard time forgiving someone? Don't, don't go out. I was meditating over this difficult relationship that I was having. And the Lord spoke to me. And when he said, part of the verse, very clearly said to me, you know, you don't hear it with this ear. You hear it in your heart. It's a revelation. This is the spirit of revelation. God revealed a verse to me, or part of a verse. This is what he said. Then thou shalt be able to pull the moat out of the brother's heart. But I knew what the Bible said, what the verse said in front of us. Hey Lord, you have been months ago But it will come to pass. It will come to pass. Because the Lord has spoken. And he was patient and endurance in his way to that. 
again. Lord, I want to hear. Until prayer. No. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Noah. By faith, Isaac and Jacob and Moses. But that faith, when God speaks to me, when I hear his voice, all that trust, then I mix that with faith. And then I go forward as more than conqueror in Christ. Then it will come to pass. This issue of talking to this mountain, I was facing a mountain, you see. I was facing a mountain in my relationship with another brother. But the Lord spoke to me about that. Now I walk in faith. Fully believing it's your punishment. And I can do it with joy. I can do it with confidence. I can do it with joy. Why? Because I've heard. I've heard. I believe what Bill said this morning about praying to that shack that burned down. Somehow there was confidence in his choice. God is This is reality. This is where the men of faith walk and live. Did they stumble? Oh, yeah. Did I, did I stumble? Oh, yeah. But the principle is what I want you to hear this first message. Hearing, mixing or believing, and then confessing. Because if God made the world by this principle, God created the heavens and the earth by His Word. You see, now Christ dwells in me by faith. We have His mind. If He wants to work His life in and through us, it's up to me whether I will allow that to become a reality. So, may the Lord bless you. Give you grace. I share a principle with you. I'd like to look at some more of the examples later on this afternoon to help flush this thing out a little more in our minds. So we can get a hold of it. See it in reality in other people's lives and begin to walk it out. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, if there, we know, Lord, that your word is true, it is powerful, it is quick, it is sharp. And I pray that you will continue to drop these seeds into our hearts. Help us, Lord, to understand. Lord, we do want to rise up in faith. We do desire to understand. Jesus over and over again said, Oh, you little faith, why did you die? Oh, God, deliver us from a faithless world and help us to understand it. Help us to exercise. Help us to strengthen those muscles that those muscles may be strengthened to exercise the walk of faith. In Jesus' name.